welcome back to MMA Fan Podcast. It's Justin. I still don't have a co-host. Um, I know some of you are probably wondering where I've been since UFC 223. I don't have a good answer other than I just wasn't prepared and I didn't do the podcast. But from now on, I will be doing it. I didn't get to do a preview episode for this one. But for the next one, I'll do the preview. I'll do the review. And I'm going to keep doing that from here on. So, this weekend we had UFC 228. A fight card that, once again, a lot of fans... A lot of fans kept saying that it was not worth paying the money for it. Um, From the amount of notes I wrote down on my paper and how excited I was for those fights, it was a phenomenal card. It was great. All the fighters did really well. Um, We'll go ahead and jump into that here in a few minutes. I'm going to go over some news related to UFC 228 and then some news related to 229 and 230 that you may or may not have heard about. Uh, If you can also go ahead and hop on Twitter, leave some feedback or on your wherever you listen to the podcast and leave feedback, I'm going to be sticking around for now. Um, And I want to branch the podcast out as much as possible to those like 30 people that have listened so far to the initial 223 review thank you so much um that is a lot more than i thought would have listened by now so i really appreciate it i want to jump that up and i want to be able to just provide you guys with an analysis of all the fights that really looks at it from all aspects and bring you news as well after I put in the time to find all the news related because a lot of people will talk about the information but they won't get the research done for you I'm gonna do the research to be able to find you the best news I can to explain why what happened happened that way Um, before we jump into the news, I just want to let you know, I got new headphones, so hopefully the audio on this one's a little better if there's any background noise. I'm sorry if there's any white noise. It's a little out of my control, um, but hopefully the audio is better. From time to time, you may hear some running around. That's my upstairs neighbors. Hopefully they don't wake up before I finish recording. <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump into some notes. Um, One more thing real quick. When I did the UFC 223 preview and review, I was talking about doing changing the name for the podcast. I don't think I'm going to do that, actually. After some time thinking about it, I think MMA Fan is a great name for the podcast. It's not the name I would have gone with initially, but it's it's the one I kind of came up with and I think really fits well for what... I intend to do with the podcast. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into UFC 228. Tyrone Woodley versus Darren Till. So, some news related to the fight. The co-main event, Montano versus Chevchenko, was pulled. Uh, Montano had to go to the hospital for concern of kidney issues due to the weight cut. Later 
I, I believe it was Saturday morning. It could have been Friday night. Dana White stripped Montano of the feather of the women's featherweight championship. Saturday would have been her first title defense after getting the belt in December of last year. Um, in the last nine months, she's had a few injuries and Ill illnesses with a foot injury and had to get tonsils removed, which prevented her from defending the belt up until this weekend. And then the injury, the health concerns this weekend didn't exactly help that. Um, Dana plans to schedule a fight between Chipschenko and another contender before the end of 2018. Kind of is up in debate whether it was right for him to strip her after only nine months of not defending it and with medical conditions involved throughout the year. In my opinion, the UFC needs to come up with a standard and follow it for everyone. Because with what we've seen in the last few years with interim belts and with champions keeping their belts for a year and a half because they're the star that makes the most money even though they never defend a belt. You know, it really brings it into question with the double standards. I don't know that they'll ever really have a standard across the board. I know once upon a time it seemed like they used to, but they for sure don't anymore, without a doubt. Um, and a lot of people may have forgot how Till even got the title shot. It's another related title stripping. A few months back, Kobe Covington fought for an interim title for an interim welterweight title and won. He did really well in that fight. I remember watching that being surprised. But he won. And then later was asked if he could fight in September against Woodley for, you know, for an undisputed, for the winner to be the undisputed champion. Till informed Dana that he couldn't do September I want to say it was something to do with the tonsils related, but I don't quite remember. I remember he talked about it on Chill Sunday's podcast. Um, so, sorry, I didn't really do remember since then. That was a few months back. But if you want to listen to that, it was a good listen. Uh, it's kind of weird, but yeah, you get to hear Kobe Covington and Chill talk back and forth. Uh, but yeah, he's not, he wasn't going to be, be able to fight in September. And instead of rescheduling the fight for October and November, they ended up just stripping him of the belt and giving Darren Till a shot. I think Darren Till does, did deserve a shot. It didn't quite work out for him, but I do think he deserved a shot. One other thing I want to talk about is significant strikes. If you looked at the significant strike stats for any of the fights last night on the card, ignore those. Ignore those completely. From this day forward, I want you to stop looking at those because those are so beyond inaccurate. It's it's sad. Once upon a time, those used to be a very accurate stat, but in the last few years, it, they're not. Um, they're not accurate at all, and it's terrible. People have looked at those stats for fights like Rose and Joanna or other fights. 
and almost every time I see those stats, it it just brings into question on what on earth they're counting. Are they counting strikes where the fighter hits air because sometimes the fighter doesn't even land 20 strikes and they're like, oh yeah, she's got 20 significant strikes or he has 20 significant strikes. No, they didn't. <laughs> I beg to differ. See, so let's go ahead and move on to some news for let's see 229. I currently don't have a lot of news for UFC 229 unless you have been one of the lucky people that has managed to avoid ads for Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. I will do a preview and a re review. For that fight I will be at Buffalo Wild Wings watching that fight hoping Conrad loses but somehow Conrad has a third title shot in his career that is very questionable on whether or not he deserves it in my opinion I don't think Conrad deserves a title shot I think there's very many other contenders in that division that deserve it more than Conor McGregor. In fact, one of the guys is fighting in the co-main event. How Conor McGregor got a title shot before Tony Ferguson? I mean, I understand how, but it's just, like, it just baffles my mind how UFC comes up with these things and just tries to play it off like, ah, now it makes sense. No, it's all about the money. Don't even try and start that with us. So, go ahead and jump into UFC 230 real quick, even though it's far from now. Um, from what I saw last night, news hadn't really broke on this. The only person that even made mention of it was Errol Hawani, and I don't know where he managed to get it from, because he was the only source I saw that even managed to slightly confirm this so I'm still going to put it as a rumor for now but it, the odds of it happening are pretty good I didn't even see anything about the USADA decision yet on the suspension at least a confirmation so the UFC they put up the fight card for UFC 230 which looked amazing they didn't even have the main event up on the fight card yet there's a reason for that. It's not solidified yet. They're looking at doing John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. Apparently, John Jones is going to be able to not get a suspension from USADA. USADA has decided that if he and his team can prove to USADA that he was did not know about the t supplement being tainted then he will not get suspended which means he can come back and fight and it looks like he has already started camp again and it's already kind of started talking trash on Twitter again but it looks like it'll be John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson which is kind of weird because you know, I, I get John Jones deserving a number one contender shot, whether it's 
interim belt, which I don't think it should be an interim belt or just a number one contender shot at light heavyweight. I don't know yet. Hasn't news hasn't really broke. But Alexander Gustafson getting the number one contender shot really kind of is questionable. Guy hasn't really been very active in the last two years. John Jones has been more active than Alexander Gustafson has. And to add on to that, he was given an opportunity for a number one contender shot against some other guy, and he turned it down because he didn't want anything that wasn't a shot at DC. So I, I don't know. Between UFC 229 and UFC 230, I'm really hoping UFC 231 is something that makes sense, but I highly doubt it. With that being said, that's all the news I currently have. Um, keep an eye out for the UFC 230 John Jones info. I'm going to be keeping an eye out for it. And as soon as I hear something, I'll post something to my to the MMA fan podcast Twitter account about it. But let's go ahead and jump into it. I didn't take any notes on the Fight Pass prelims. I haven't watched those yet. I say yet because I'm really probably going to end up getting Fight Pass and go back and watch those fights. Uh, Diego Sanchez and Jim Miller both had fights on the the Fight Pass prelims. And if I remember correctly from what I read online, it sounded like they killed it. So I'm going to have to go back and watch those. I think both guys won. There was a third fight. I don't remember at the moment who it was. It's not in my notes. I didn't write down who won any of those. Sorry about that. So we're going to start off with the prelims of 228. So the first fight was Beard versus Stewart for a middleweight bout. In the first round, there was a lot of clinch between both guys taking turns on who had the dominant position in the clinch. Um, I missed the first minute of the first round, so I couldn't really tell you which guy won the round. But without that first minute, um, I gave the round to Beard by like one punch because it was really even besides that. So, yeah, if... Just take that out. It doesn't even matter. I mean, the rounds, him winning the round didn't exactly matter anyways. In round two, Beard eventually broke from the clinch and threw a few strikes until Beard and Stewart initiated the clinch again. Before Stewart broke off and threw a couple elbows and jabs, getting a TKO victory as Beard dropped before taking a couple more hits before the fight was called. I was a little shocked because it seemed like Beard had the upper hand slightly up until that point. And then Stewart took over and he dropped him. It was beautiful. From there, we move on to the second fight in the prelims. A welterweight bout between Neil and Camacho. Neil picked up a KO victory with a Beautiful roundhouse kick to the head after several exchanges throughout the second round. I'm talking this was a picture-perfect roundhouse kick knockout. 
he hit this and Camacho just fell right to the mat. After this, we have possibly what was the weirdest finish I saw of the night. Aljermaine Sternly versus Stammen for a bantamweight bout. Sternly had a six and a half inch reach advantage during the first round. Honestly, the Aljamain Sterling I've seen in the past did not look like he showed up to the first round. And what you saw in the second round didn't reflect what you saw in the first round either. Stammen definitely took the offense and pushed the pace and came out of many of the exchanges victor in the first round. Then in the second round... I watched that replay about four or five times before I understood what was going on. It was so weird. You'll have you, you just like go and find this one on YouTube because the finish of this fight was odd. They ended up going to the ground. Um, Sternly tried to get some hits in. He ended up getting back position. Stamen kept trying to get out of. Um, out of being caught in the back position, but Sterling kept his underhooks in well, tried to keep his posture up to where he didn't slip off, and eventually he ended up grabbing hold of Stammen's shin and getting a knee bar applied. And Sterling and Stammen both fell down on Stammen fell backwards onto his butt um, as he tapped out from an overextended knee bar, giving Sterling the win in what looked like a very odd moment and confusing. <laughs> from there, we move on to the main event of the... Oh, yeah, this fight. <sighs> to the main event of the prelims. This it's really hurt for me. You know, I I was rooting for Carla. You know, she's the underdog. I think she's been the underdog in almost every one of her fights, actually, since she started fighting at UFC. Uh, she was the number six fighter. Carla Sparza versus number nine, Tatiana Suarez, who came into the fight 7-0. and She came out of the fight. 8-0. If you have not seen a 30-24 fight, this is that fight. You know, it, a lot of people are equating this to how Khabib Nurmagomedov does a lot of his stuff. I think it's different in some ways. You could see Tatiana was clearly stronger than Carla. She just pushed Carla around like it was nothing. Whereas fighters like Khabib and GSP, they use more of you know, the grappling and where they're located and the pressure versus the strength. This was pure strength and power. This was an absolute dominant fight. I don't think Carla managed to get more than like five hits, and I think she might have gotten like two in the whole fight. 
she got dominated. It, it was sad. I was really rude for her, and I felt bad. I felt bad just off of how much she got dominated. This would have been a 30-24. This should have been a 30-24 unanimous decision if it didn't get called 27 seconds left in the third round as a TKO victory. To me, I probably wouldn't have called it as a TKO. I called the fight right there, even though she was getting dominated. She wasn't defending, but there wasn't a lot happening at that moment in time either. But she was also getting her butt whooped. She was dominated. I'm sorry, Carla, but you were. It was... It was rough watching this fight. <laughs> From there... We're going to go ahead and move on to the main card. The main card still had five, five fights on it, even with the women's um, flyweight being taken off. We started out with Al Hassan versus Price. Welterweight bout with Price having a three-inch reach advantage, which... Didn't affect this fight at all. <laughs> Al Hassan ended up getting a vicious KO victory. He got a left hook, and which you could see Price's eyes close after the left hook, and then he got two more quick hooks in before Price just fell. And buckled down to the ground. And Al Hassan had, I think it was Al Hassan that had 10 first round KO wins. I just wrote 10 first round KO wins in my notes. I'm pretty sure it was Al Hassan. Um, nonetheless, one other thing I wanted to mention, just because I thought it was amusing, is at the beginning of this fight that you know they always put the names up. At the beginning of this one, they put the names up for Rivera and Dodson and their short color shorts colors and I was like huh I didn't realize Rivera and Dodson were fighting in this fight too <laughs> but it was a crazy knockout you just see his eyes closed before he ended up buckling down after two more hooks and from there we move on to Rivera versus Dodson this time they're really fighting at bantamweight. The first round was very close with a few good exchanges. You could give the first round to either guy. Um, there was a cope shot to Dotson, and the second round was pretty close. Other than that, other than that, Rivera ended up pushing the pace in round three and came out of the exchanges landing some big hits, leading to Rivera taking a unanimous decision win. Apparently only one judge scored the fight 29-28, which is kind of silly because really it was a close fight going into the third round. The first two rounds were, were pretty much ties, toss-ups. And then the third round is really what decided it for Rivera, with Rivera getting a lot of the exchanges and getting the upper hand there and pushing the pace. 
and winning the third round. But it was a decent fight. It just was a very close fight as well. Then we move to a featherweight bout with number 15, Zabit. I'm going to try. Magadamashaparov. I probably just butchered that beyond belief. So, this is the second time we see a knee bar pulled out in the night. Which is kind of weird. The first, probably the first time I've seen a submission done twice in the night. But, Zebit, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name anymore. Zebit fought Davis. And Zabit really kind of just, it seemed like an even fight. Zabit was trying for a lot of different things, showing what he can do. Um, he eventually, in the second round, ended up getting the upper hand on Davis and pulling out a knee bar for the second time in the night with an amazing tap out. Just had that knee bar in very, very well. So from there we move on to Carolina versus Andrade, which in my opinion this is the fight that kind of that really determines who's the next contender to fight Rose for the title. Carolina Kowakowicz is the number four women's strawweight, and Jessica Andrade is the number two. I was really rooting for Carolina. Um, they had great sportsmanship. Andrade came out swinging, though. Both girls exchanging and getting good hits after the first minute. Um, the pace kind of slowed down after that, with both still landing. Andrade came in this fight looking for absolutely nothing but a knockout victory. She came out swinging from the gate. And she ended up getting, connecting with a right hook that dropped Carolina for the KO victory. Just 1 minute and 58 seconds into the first round. My opinion, Andrade gets the next shot at Rose. Andrade may be number 2, but I don't think it's time for Rose Joanna 3. Or is it four now? Either way, the last two times Rose and Yoana fought, Rose, without a doubt, won those fights. I don't think there should be a third one at this time. I think Jessica's the next opponent for Rose. I think that one's going to be a great, great fight. And I'm sure Tatiana's going to climb her way up there as well. And that's going to be scary as well. We move on to our main event with champion Tyrone Woodley versus number two welterweight Darren Till. Undefeated Darren Till with 17 wins comes in to challenge for the welterweight title against Tyrone, the chosen one, Woodley. 
I was rooting for Woodley, but all in all, I knew these guys were going to bring it, and I was going to see a good fight. It didn't happen quite the way I thought it would, where there would be more from Till's side, but I was still super excited by the end of this fight. Woodley easily took the first round, throwing way more strikes than Darren Till. I think Till got two strikes in in the first round. And Woodley just threw a lot. The weird thing I saw in the first round was Dan Mergliotta was stopping the clinches quick. Even though Woodley was still staying active in the clinch. Which usually they don't do that unless the fighters aren't being active. Um, Till wasn't very active during the first round, only getting a few hits in. Then they move on to the second round. Woodley gets an early knockdown. It's like when I say early knockdown, I mean I was still writing notes for the first round. And the fight, the second round had started. It was maybe like eight seconds into the second round. And I just hear the bar go nuts. And I look up and tilts on the ground. So I miss the hit that connected that put him there. <laughs> But from there, he then pounds on Darren Till. Um, Till continued defending as much as he possibly could. Woodley pushed the ground game, landing vicious, vicious elbows from side control. Woodley went for top mount, but Till quickly transitioned it back. Um, and Woodley kept the pressure from side control and wouldn't let Till move away from it eventually Woodley took Woodley had control of Till's right arm and transitioned from that into a darse choke getting Till to tap out with only 41 seconds left in the second round giving Darren Till his first career loss during this fight, you could really see that uh, Woodley worked on it, has worked on his ground game with the beautiful position, defense, and transitions that he was using in the second round that ended up getting him the victory. There were a couple times Darren Till tried to stand up in the second round, but Tyrone Woodley was using his stance and legs very well to where he kept the pressure on Till to where he couldn't get back up. So with that tap out victory, Woodley received his jiu-jitsu black belt. His, they said it was his first submission win, but from what I read, he had more submission wins. And he retained his belt with what I believe was his fourth title defense. Um, after the fight was ended and they interviewed him, Woodley was talking about possibly going up to middleweight next. Whether he was going to leave welterweight for good and go up to middleweight or just go up to middleweight for to fight, I don't know. He didn't really specify, but he was talking about going up to middleweight next. You know, weight cuts are a pain and a lot of fighters are starting to decide that cutting weight is just not worth it. <laughs> and it's easier to fight at a high, 
upper weight class for that fit better suits them. Um, Darren Till is also interviewed. You know, very good sportsmanship from both guys. Darren had nothing but good things to say about the fight. They also talked afterwards when they saw each other in the back. Woodley, you know, talked to Till and said, you know, I've fought for the belt before and lost and climbed my way back up to, to become the champion. Eventually, your time will come. And Till, during his interview with Rogan, talked, you know, just fight happened kind of how I expected. It was everything we're, you know, looking for to avoid from Woodley. He pushed pace just like we thought he would, and he ended up winning the fight. It's basically what Till said. All around, it was like one, maybe two fights that went to decision. It was a lot of good fights, a lot of good submissions, a lot of good knockouts. It was a really good night of fights. It really one of the best cards of the year so far. Which is really amusing. <laughs> but it's good to see Tyron Woodley back. He did not look like he had in his last two fights where he was a little bit slower and more methodical. He came out just looking for the victory and pushing it. Which is probably good when your opponent doesn't even look like he should managed to be in welterweight <laughs> but nonetheless i will see you all for ufc 229 uh, go ahead and leave me some feedback wherever you listen to the podcast at or on my twitter on the mma fan podcast twitter page i didn't write down the info to find that if you just look up mma fan podcast on twitter i'm sure it'll pop up um good bad either way let me know so that way i can improve the podcast and i will see you guys all in october for ufc 229 where i will be sad that i will be at buffalo wild wings watching conor get a third title shot and hoping that Khabib prevents Connor from winning and keeping the belt without defending it for another year as we watch the hypocrisy of title strippings continue. Uh, nonetheless, signing out, y'all. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you haven't seen it, truly worth watching. Um, or at least looking at the ends of the fights on YouTube. You know, I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> they always are. But I'll see you all for UFC 229. Um, if you don't know yet, I'm going to be doing this podcast for all the pay-per-views, doing two podcast, two episodes for each pay-per-view, a preview that provides you with analysis of the fighters, who I think is going to win. Um, you can use the information to base your decisions off of that. I'm not going to say, hey, use this information for any bets or anything. That's totally up to you. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just bringing you guys information I find online about their previous fights or what I saw in their previous fights. It's not necessarily information where I'm going to be like, ah, no, you should go with 
Mayweather over McGregor in your bets. I'm not saying none, any of that. That's all on you. <laughs> but I'll be doing a preview episode that gives you kind of just the some insight into the fights, what to expect with any news of fights of fights that were canceled. That will usually be dropping on Saturday morning so I can bring you the most up-to-date information on it. Because as we all know, UFC pay-per-views are cursed and there's always a fight that gets pulled. And then on either late Saturday night or early Sunday morning, I'll be dropping the review podcast where I provide an analysis of what happened with news about anything that happened during the fights or any more news about why a fight was pulled and any news about future events. Um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at MMA fan podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes. I think you can find it on Google play. Um, there's about another 10 different podcast things you can find it on that are some small name podcast things. But, and you can find it on Anchor Podcast. So just let me know what y'all think. And I'll see y'all for UFC 229.